For Rachel D'Angelo, life has not been simple. But her current struggle has proven to be far more than she can bear. Can she go through another loss? Can her marriage handle the pressure of an ex-girlfriend? Can she be the mom she wants to be without losing everything? Finding herself back in Manhattan, working on a clinical trial with her ex-fiance Tom, has stirred emotions Rachel thought were far gone, causing her to second-guess her choices. At times, we all feel lost, but then he reminds us we are never alone. Well, it's, uh, it's always a proud moment when you get to acknowledge that your wife has a new book coming out, and uh, we're excited about that. Congratulations, Tammy. And uh, it's, uh, this is a great weekend for us because we have uh, a lot of our family here, and uh, Josh and Jen and Brandon and Kim and Cruz and Crosby, and then Gracie Bell is... Uh, tucked away in the nursery. So we are just so thrilled to have everybody here. And Jen, for your message you brought at the conference was absolutely great. Thank you so much. And uh, now we've, uh, we have the privilege of hearing Tammy bring us a message today. So Tammy, would you come on up? And uh, I just feel like you could do better than that. So would you just put your hands together? Thank you. Oh, thank you, babe. Oh, thank you. Well, he started, thank you guys. I love this house so much. He uh, actually, as husbands do, stole my thunder a little because I was going to start by recognizing Pastor Nate and Pastor Erica. And um, this church is so blessed with the staff that we have. I mean, I've, we have served in far larger churches and never, ever had the quality of staff that we have here. And I honor you. Um, you stepped up yesterday. You're calling. And it wasn't just the stilettos. Baby, yeah. And, um, you know, we, around the dinner table last night at 1030, we're talking about Pastor Nate. And my children adore you. And they said to us, don't mess this up. <laughs> and uh, Josh said, yeah, I had gum. And, or one of them did. I had gum. Pastor Nate just said, here, give it to me. And you just have a servant's heart and your team and your staff. And I could go on with everything, but the message is not just about the staff here. It's about the church. It's about the family here. Because there's something unique here. Um, I am so proud of this family. And for those of you who are visiting, you're kind of going to get the mama story today. Please come back again when you get the intellectual theological message from my <laughs> husband. And you will get it because that's who he is. But every once in a while, we need kind of a mama talk. And we're going to get that a little bit today. But I just... I was so proud as people came in to this church yesterday and said things like, I've never been a part of a family like this. I've never been loved so well. I've never felt, what is that I feel? Of course, Holy Spirit was here, and we know that was him. So I just want you to know this is a unique family, and we love well. And I want to tell you, as Pastor Phil and I started this church six years ago, um, I never knew what it was like to be in a church that I could feel comfortable in. And that's 
odd for a pastor's wife to say that, right? Um, and this is family. So I thank that. And then also, it is an honor when your children come up to support you. And we have three wonderful children. One is not here. He's in Denver. But I, I adore my children. I'm so proud of them. They are the greatest things in our life that we have done. And I adore you, and I'm proud of you, each and every one of you. And thank you for being here and supporting us. Well, I want to share with you something a little different, as you know. And I want to thank the men in the house for being patient enough to watch the Eden video for three straight months on Sunday mornings. <laughs> I mean, seriously, everything was about, well, are we seriously going to see this video? If I see that snake again, if I see that apple and that woman again, thank you. Thank you for watching the video over and over. But now is your day. Now, I'm going to bring a message to men and women in the garden. And we're going to talk a little bit about the garden and how God had a plan for us, male and female, in the garden. Have you ever thought about this, that our story begins in the Garden of Eden? The book of Genesis opens, and it's really interesting because in Genesis 1, from 1 to 25, God is preparing the world for us. He is preparing the world through galaxies and stars and the sun and the moon and all of his creation. Everything he created up to verse 25 was for us. He was preparing for his royal act. The crown of his creation in verse 26 of Genesis was birth. Everything that you see cries out God, and then he created us to cry out God. And so he created the world for us. He created for our entrance, and he created it for our authority, male and female. God spent time in creativity five days worth preparing this world for us. Um, he created his humanity, male and female. Our story begins together in the garden. We're going to talk about this a little bit. You're going to get a mama's voice and a woman's voice on this. He created us together in the garden, together in perfection, and together in unity. We were made for one another. Would you look at the person next to you and say, we were made for one another? Male and female, Woman to woman and man to man, he created us in unity to be together. He created us in his image. Now, I'm going to give you a little perspective maybe you've not seen before. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. If you have your Bibles, most of us know this, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us. Who's God talking to? This is a perfect picture of the Trinity. This is Father, Son, and Spirit having a dialogue about you. Did you ever, who's the us? You know, he's not talking to himself. This is a picture of the unity, unity, and the trilogy of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. So I've really been pondering, let us, they're talking to each other, let us make man, woman, humanity in our image. Now, when we think about what is the image or likeness is what that word is, in our likeness, we think, well, there is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So therefore, we're made in the image of God. We are body, we are soul, we are spirit. So I'm in the image of God. But I want to drill a little deeper. I want to challenge you a little deeper. If Almighty God said that you are made in his image, what are you doing as an image bearer with your life? Now really, if, if you're made in his image and all God's image is reflected in you, what are you doing to bear the image of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So in my teaching, I have understood the scripture to say that God the Father is creator. God the Son is mediator. And God the Holy Spirit is comforter. Now I want you to write these down because you're going to use this, I guarantee you. 
God the Father is creator, God the Son is mediator, and God the Holy Spirit is comforter. God created, the Father God created. We are most like God when we are creative. You just had a beautiful example of how God uses creation in his children. Did you watch how Matt, there weren't words on the screen because that was a moment that Matt just went into the overflow of his spirit in like a prophetic moment. So in his creativity, Meredith jumped in and began to sing. Whitney jumped in. We jumped in because he was having a creative moment. Are you with me? Anybody creative in this house but me? I mean, let me ask you. I, my son said to me, Mama, you have started more businesses than there are. He says, you have more um, um, cards. Bus you have more business cards than there are businesses to be had. <laughs> I had somebody over the other day, and I'm showing her my fashion line. She said, you had a fashion line? Oh, yeah, I was in Nordstrom. I was in every, I had my whole fashion line. I have an executive life coach, and I have been with Fortune 500 companies. I don't need to give you my resume. I've just done a lot. I'm old. I've done a lot. <laughs> Where do you think my creative ideas come from? The minute you think they come from you, you fail. You don't have a creative thought on your own. The creator, God, gave you the idea to create. How are you stewarding your creative ideas? If you're taking his glory, you'll give it accountable for that one day. How often do you, st you stand up and you go, God, thank you for this business. Thank you for this company. Thank you for this idea. I think the church needs to wake up because there's so much creativity in this house. We need to be starting businesses. We need to be starting ideas. We need to get medicine that we can get down our little boy's throat. If you were in Pastor, Pastor Erica's message yesterday, she gave us an example of trying to get medicine down her son's. Mama, you better create something. God's given you a passion for it. All right? And then get on Shark Tank and then fund this church. All right, come on. Come on, anybody. If we use the creativity that God has given us, and some of you are just lazy. I'm not going to say what you said yesterday. Okay, you have to listen to what Pastor Erica said about being lazy. All right? But you, now I'm, I'm asking, if there's something stirring in your soul, what are you doing with it? How many of you say, uh, here's what really... How many of you watch Shark Tank and you say, I had that idea 20 years ago? Well, shame on you. Don't pat yourself on the back. Two, there's too much creativity. And again, because why? We are made in his likeness. We are made in his image. We are supposed to be creative, but we're all supposed to be mediators. So the Bible tells us that there is one man between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator. So he is the mediator. If we are created in his likeness, shouldn't we be mediating? The word mediate means reconciliation, re-at-one-ment. Reconciliation is to take two parts that are not together and bring them together. That is a mediator. We have so many attorneys in this church, and I've been in mediations with some of them. All right? To mediate means to bring two sides together. Jesus is our mediator. He became our mediator on the cross, right? He brought sinful man and holy God together, and he mediated our oneness. If we are made in the likeness of God, should we not be mediating? Should we not be re-in-onement? Should we not bring people to reconciliation? 
when your husband and wife, when you see people struggling, should we not be the ones in the church to bring them together and try to help mediate them together? Should we not be in unity together? So many of us are caught, I mean, and that's my whole thing on men and women. We got this fight going on. God created us in unity. The Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, made us in his likeness in unity to create and to mediate. But he also said to create and to mediate, but to comfort. Holy Spirit is the comfort. He says he comforts us with a comfort that we ourselves are to comfort others. He tells us that in Corinthians, and I, I got it all in my notes, but I'm getting fired up here, so I'm not even looking, all right? And this morning when I was going over this, it was so cute because I, I got up um, about 5 o'clock thinking my family's all here, and I thought if I could just have about 10, 15 minutes to go over my notes, and I get downstairs, quiet, all the babies are down there, and I get my coffee, and I hear these little footsteps coming. And here comes little Gracie Bell. And there's message, and then there's the, listen, you know this is God when you get the text Pastor Tammy, you want me to do your makeup this morning? And I wanted to be with my Gracie Bell and my Cruz and my Crosby more than I wanted to put on my fake face. Honestly. And that's a big thing for me because those eyebrows she gave me yesterday, those were nice. Those fake eyelashes. <laughs> we're sitting around last night, and here's my two little grandsons, and we're on that. We got home. It's 10 o'clock. We pick up Wood Ranch. We're sitting there eating, and I'm tired. As you saw from the recap, it was a big day. And I said, Cruz, come here, baby. What's this in my, what's in my eye? What's in Cammie's eye? And, and I'm trying to get him to rip off my eyelash. And he's, I don't know, Grammy, what? I said, I pull, pull that. And next thing he pulls it, oh, what is that? <laughs> and so then I, I'm, I'm scratching my head and I said, something here. But can you pull that? What is that? So he pulls out my clip-ins. And, he's, and, and I, now I got this fake hair and these fake eyelashes, you know, and he's having, he's freaking out. What is it? And then one of them said, you want to take your arm off next? I mean, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing here? And, um, you know, it, hey, when you have a women's conference, you got to look good. So, I mean, I had the fake eyelashes, and I had the fake hair, and the, uh, the eyebrows. I mean, seriously, she's doing these. What's up with the eyebrows? I mean, have you, she said, it lifts your face. I said, keep going. <laughs> Just keep going, all right? But, so she was really creative because I looked hot yesterday, all right? So, I mean, she was good. Tao, I love you, Tao. So, anyway, let's get back to this. So, that was how it was this morning. And I was working on this, and here's what I thought. I thought, if we are made in the image of God, and we are to be comforters, who are you comforting? And I'm going over the verse that he comforts me with the same comfort that I'm to comfort others. And Randy, you're the first one that came to my mind. I have to comfort you with the comfort that I have had when I have lost a loved one. See, that is the best reflection of the likeness of God when I can comfort you like he comforts you. Do you understand your authority and your power in your humanity? Not in who you are, and that's the whole problem. We think it's who we are instead of who he is in us. When you submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are most like God. God, be authority in me, be comfort in me, be the mediator in me, be the creator in me. And the minute you get on your face and you start saying, Almighty God, all creativity that you have wired in me, let it go. Let it go. Let me have dreams and visions and then discipline and tenacity to do it. We are weak in the church today. We give up too easy. When the world's winning, that means we're weak. That's just what it means. Because they don't have the power we have. That's what frustrates me so much. They don't understand. 
They don't understand the power's not in them. When they're winning, and I mean the winning on the war of creativity, instead of believers who are endowed with the power on high of Almighty God, there's a problem in the church. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Anybody? Anybody here right now, would you go on record and say, I have a creative idea brewing in my heart right now. I've not even told anybody. Tammy has one. I mean, all right, so one person's going to make it in this whole church. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know? You know? I mean, do you, do you recognize what I'm saying? You will live a status quo life if you don't do something different. Every one of us will. So God made us in his image, but he also gave us an assignment. Look what he says. This verse is so good. i get back up now all my notes. So we're made in his image, and he's given us assignment. It tells us um, in going on in 26, then God blessed them, male and female. It says them. Sometimes we have a problem with this. We forget that the women are in the them. It's not just him. He blessed us. He called us to be responsible. He called us to be in unity, male and female. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Now, this is going to get good if you guys awake enough. I guarantee you there's going to be more shouting going on in a few hours for the Super Bowl. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you, when you wake up tomorrow morning and you're talking more about the Rams winning than you are proclamation. Brady's had enough glory days. Brady, give it up. Come on. I already told my grandsons, yeah, they didn't hear that Tom got hurt and wasn't playing today. Yeah, Cruz is going on again. That's not true. He Googled it. <laughs> okay, so stay with me. Nothing wrong. We're going to the party too. But when you're more excited about the things of the world than you are the things of God, you just need to examine your own heart. No judgment, just truth. No judgment, just truth. I'm just asking you. When you wake up tomorrow around the water cooler and all the discussions are about the game and not about what happened in worship or what happened when you fought, saw for the first time that your creativity came from God and you're giving him glory. I mean, does something spark in you here that you're going to talk about tomorrow? If it is, then you need to activate your spirit because some of our spirits are asleep. You haven't lost Holy Spirit. You just quenched him. Like he's down to your pinky right now. You need to release him in you. Some of you, come on, release this is a Baptist girl getting wild. All right. That's about as wild as I get, but let's go on. And the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Holla. God said, these guys cannot do it alone. I will make for him a helper. And some of you men forget this part. Comparable to him. Comparable to him. Okay? Comparable. That means like we work together. Remember, this is the unity talking. This is the Godhead talking amongst themselves about the them. Male and female. I like this because he says, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. So we have two things I want you to walk away from this message today. Number one, you are made, you. I mean, I'm talking like to you, the two ears and two eyes and nose are looking back at me. You are made in the likeness of God. You may not understand it. You may not embrace it. You may not fully even accept it, but it doesn't matter because truth is truth. I mean, you can't deny what God says. You may not like it. You may say that's not for me, but his truth is still his truth. And you're made in his likeness to create, to mediate, and to comfort. But then he says, here's what I want you to understand. You're made in my likeness, like me. And then I've given you an assignment. And I wrote this, Randy, before your word. When you called us and told us God had an assignment for you. I wrote this message before you called us. And my second point was that God has an assignment for every one of us. 
He has an assignment because here's what he said. Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. The word there means subdue it. Who is supposed to be in charge of the earth? Humanity. We are to control it. We are to have increase. We should have provision. God tells us, right? So if you are not seeing increase in your business, if you're not seeing increase in your family, if you're not seeing increase in your life and provision in your life, all right, then you have not released Holy Spirit to be what he called you to do because he's given you the assignment to do it. It's not a choice whether you could or should. You have an assignment from God to subdue the earth, to replenish the earth, and the word uses increase. Now, in my word, in my dictionary, increase means more, more. Are you seeing more in your marriage? Are you seeing more in your family? Are you seeing more in your business? Are you writing checks like crazy and you can't give money away fast enough? Why not? Why not? It's God. I mean, the greenbacks are nothing to him. No, come on. God is the author of everything. And I think we have so limited all that he wants to do in us and through us because we do not understand that. He said, let us make man in our image. There's a verse in Amos 3.3 that says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, some of you came in here and I gave the testimony how I had my little meltdown before the women's conference and gave my husband the what up. I repented quickly for the men that weren't in the house and I text him this heartfelt remorseful, baby, I love you, and I was out of line, and I expected a text back. <laughs> but no, he was going to milk this repentance as long as he could. And he knows how to work me because he knows I'm a people pleaser. So he knows I will keep giving him the goods as long as I'm feeling convicted. So the next morning, hi, baby, sleep good, rubbing his back. I said, you get my text last night? Yeah. You didn't respond. I'm thinking. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in just a minute, all right? Can two walk together except they be agreed? When we're not in agreement, we're not walking together. Satan will always try to pit us against one another, male and female. Satan will always try to pit us together, uh, pit us from one another, male and female, in our home, in our workplace, and in our extracurricular activities. Do you ever play board games with your spouse? Now, Phil and I are into sequence. That's our board game. Like, we play it like all the, and I am the queen sequency. I, I almost always win. And they'll always be like, did you stack the deck? Did you give yourself the jacks? You know, and all of a sudden, there's this, no, I just, one thing in the world, I can be better than you. I'm not a better at most. Let me win at sequence. So you do, you let me, oh, he says I do. Okay, there we go. See, see how there's this tension. There's tension. You ever play like couples? You get the couples, the battles of the sexes, and all of a sudden, everything. That's not what God wants. He wants unity with male and female. We have to walk together. We have to understand that God had a reason I started to start, I told Philip, he said, what's your message? I said, what was God thinking? What was he thinking, creating two people so different to be in unity? Because he knew we have to complement each other. He knew you two complement each other. He knew you two complement each other. He knew you two needed each other. Amen? If you're here with your spouse, turn around and say, I need you. I need you. Do you know that God is, most, God is most glorified 
And that's hard. Look, I know that's a hard assignment for some. I know that. And I, 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 I want at least those right now who are here, we're talking to you, we'll talk to everybody else in a minute. God is most glorified when we respect and value one another in our marriages. Amen. Um, in our home. Okay, so you know, this whole thing, I don't know if you know the, the theology behind Archie Bunker, but I grew up with it. My daddy was an Archie Bunker watcher. And I just want you to see Archie Bunker's take on Adam and Eve. Turn your eyes to the screen. More about women's problems. Did you know your men complain about their problems, do you? That's because men don't have any problems compared to women. And that's God's will, so forget it. <laughs> you mean God's mistake. Hey, hey. Hey, God don't make no mistakes. That's how we got to be God. <laughs> Blaming nothing on God that use women wrong on yourself. What? Yes, that's right. You don't believe me? Read your Bible. Read the story of Adam and Eve there. You know, Adam and Eve, they had a pretty soft out in paradise. They had no problems. They didn't even know they was naked. <laughs> but Eve, she wasn't satisfied with that, see? And then one day, against direct order, she made poor Adam eat that apple. God got sore. He told him, eat the clothes on and get the out of here. <laughs> That Eve was cursed, and that's why they call her what he called it, the curse. All right, that's theology according to Archie Bunker. I thought you would enjoy that. Listen, women have nurture hearts. As women, we have a heart to be the nurture. Men have the heart to be the provider. Men have to be the provider. We have role reversal, and it's confusing today. We have forgotten God did put man in a position to minister to us, to love us and protect us. And we have to honor and respect men. Um, I want to share a couple of things I think is so good. This is a, a little quote Phil and I used to laugh about all the time. They, it, it, it said, the problem was not the apple on the tree, but the pear on the ground. Some of you will get that. It was the pear on the ground. It was the husband and wife. It was the man and woman that couldn't get along in unity. Satan hates the image of unity and wants to do nothing more than bring division against male and female. Do you realize he has an attack against men and women being in unity today? And he's attacking in every way he can, whether it's the Me Too movement, whether it's gender confusion, whatever's going on, I don't know who I am. Let me tell you who you are. You are made in the image of God. You may have some confusion and God will work it out with you. He is called the great counselor for a reason. You're hearing me. If you're made in the image of God, go to God and let him show you how you are made in his image. I want to end really with you with these great tips. I think they're great. Five keys to working well together as male and female. Number one, honor and respect one another. Honor and respect one another, which is contrary to what we're seeing in the world today. We've got to hold one another in high esteem. I count it a privilege to stand right here in this space because my, aunt, my husband gives me place. I've never saw myself as a preacher. I've always been the preacher's wife. There's even a movie after me. And, 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 and I love it. it. It's who I am. I'm the preacher's wife. But when we came and started this church, he said we're co-laborers. You know, we work together. And 
And I am in, I'm in awe of my husband. He is smart and he works hard and he is a good man and a good provider. And I would not be where I am without him, nor him without me. So I, I, want, I want to publicly say how grateful I am. And women, we have got to publicly brag on our men. Honestly, it, it, it makes him want to love me better. It makes him want to love me better. You know, there was a day when we used to say, you know, the men wear the pants in the family. And I grew up in that era. I mean, women started to wear pants. I'm trying to remember who was the first politician that wore pants suit on the platform, you know. I mean, pants were always the thing men wore. But today, as you can see, things have changed. We're all wearing pants. The problem is not whether the women wear pants. The problem is whether the women take the pants from their men. The Holy Spirit hits you with that one. Number two. We've got to work together in unity and find common ground. Stop blaming one another. Adam said, God, it's the woman you gave me. Couldn't you do better? He blamed God and he blamed Eve. And she said, not so fast, buddy. The serpent deceived me and I was deceived. And we're always looking to blame someone. Stop blaming. I'm going to give you a verse that maybe you've never read before. It's in Romans 2.1. Write it down, go home, and let Holy Spirit just slap you silly. You have no excuse you who pass judgment, and that original word is blame, on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. Every time I look at my husband with an eye of judgment, four fingers are pointing back at me. Holy Spirit just said, Quit, let me take care of my boy. He's my boy. Let me take care of the staff. Let me take care of your kids that you gave to me when you dedicated to them to me. Quit pointing judgment. Because my friend, you got a little of your own going on. Amen? Have a plan of action to work in unity with one another. In, in um, Ecclesiastes 4, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return of their labor. If either of them falls down, one will help them up. But pity the man who does not have anyone to help them up. We help each other up in this church. This isn't just talking about husbands and wives. This is talking about the family. When you fall down, I will be there to pick you up. And I expect you to be there when I fall down. Because I will fall. Not a prophecy, not a proclamation, just an observation. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? We need to be there for one another when we fall. The third thing, trust one another. The definition of trust is one in which confidence is placed. When you're in a relationship, you've got to trust one another. Now, I realize in both marriages, and I'm speaking to a lot of people that are either married or in a relationship, but trust also goes into, you know, how many of us have like a, a, a family at work? You know, we have a work family and our home family, and we have our neighborhood, and we have the PTA, and my daughter-in-law runs the PTA. I mean, that's your family outside of your other family. You got to walk with them, Kim. You got to be the light to those people. I watch you when I'm down at those kids' school. You have something they don't have. That's one of your families. We got to trust one another in our family. And I do understand that often trust has to be rebuilt. And some people in the house right now need to hear this because you're struggling in your relationships, be it marital, at work, at home, or with your children, because you've lost trust. Start by rebuilding the trust and then walk in freedom and trust again. Some of you need to be trusted. And let me just say a word that most preacher's wives don't say. I'm still a preacher's wife. I can't get over the preacher thing yet. I'm trying to step in those shoes, all right? Um, 
Some of you majorly have screwed up. And we don't need to be the ones putting the guilt and shame on you. We do it to ourselves enough. Holy Spirit comes to comfort, not to bring shame. Mom and Daddy, right now, you're disappointed and you're hurt. Let Holy Spirit do what Holy Spirit does better than you'll ever do with your eyes and your mouth. That's good. That's a good word. And I'm telling myself that because I've got evil eyes. Ask my husband. He knows all three when he gets one of those eyes. Not the three eyes, but the three looks. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like they say mamas have eyes in the back of their head. I, I think sometimes, are you with me? Trust again. Trust. There's a great verse in Proverbs 31. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. Now, this is good because it's two-sided. Well, I think this Proverbs 31 is all about the wife. Men, stay with me. Her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. Men, trust us. Trust us that God made us in his image too. Trust us that he made us nurturers and you need us to nurture you because you ain't got nothing up in there. You have no, and I'm going to give you some statistics in a minute. You need us to have a feminine heart for you because you sometimes don't have one. The heart of her husband trust in her and he will have no lack of gain because, woman, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Do you have that trust in your relationship at home and your relationship at work? Four, deeply love. And I'm going to go quickly. These, these last two, they're so good. Deeply love. Anytime, this is so good. And if all you get in my, out of this message is this. If you're struggling to love someone, read 1 Corinthians 13. And let it be a mirror to your soul. Let it be a mirror to your soul. If you're struggling to love your spouse, if you're struggling to love someone who hurts you, who maligned you, a neighbor, a colleague, a child, love is patient. If you don't have patience right now, you don't have love. You don't, you don't have love at all. You just can't because love is patient and love is kind and it does not envy. And if you say you have a girlfriend that is your butt friend and you do things together and you're envying the money she has that you don't have, the husband she has that you don't have, the house she has that you don't have, she's not your girlfriend. She's not your friend. You don't love her. I mean, you break these down. You just take them one at a time, and for 30 seconds, let Holy Spirit get up in you on these. They're so good. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not, desire, it does not um, dishonor one another. Love doesn't bring dishonor. I cannot dishonor this man and love him. It's not easily angered. And then this one is the one that slaps me every time. And see, I don't mind when Holy Spirit slaps me because he does it with a tenderness because I know it. So this one says, love keeps no record of wrongdoing. And um, we had had a spat one day and I was going to the love chapter to see if I still loved him. And, um, and I was reading through this and I got to love keeps no record of wrongdoing. And the Holy Spirit, and when I say the Holy Spirit speaks to me, if you don't know what that means, I want you to seriously get this video series I did. It's free. All you got to do is just go to doesholyspiritspeak.com. Does Holy Spirit speak? And I give you, walk you through five videos. And Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you don't love Phil. Now, it's one thing if I say I don't love him, but it's another thing if God's telling you don't love him. And I just waited and he said, because you're keeping a record of every wrong. And you rehearse in your mind every time he's hurt you. You know the date, you know the time, you know the name, you know the place, and you keep rehearsing that. Because if you loved him, you would not keep a record of wrongdoing. 
And I had to throw away some journals. And I had to heal from some memories. And I had to let some things go so I could love them. And I've had to do that with friends who have hurt me, best friends who have hurt me. And I've kept a record of wrong, and it's only hurt me. And he goes on, he says, love always protects and it trusts and it hopes and it perseveres because love never fails. And the last thing, which we're going to have fun with because we've gotten a little heavy here, we need to celebrate our differences. To quote the great theologian, Phil Hotzenpiller, <laughs> men are dumb. Women are deceived. It's so, I mean, it's biblical. Men are dumb and women are deceived. I did a little research on men and women, and I thought you might enjoy going out with this today. The differences start with the physical structure of the brain. Now, this is true, scientific, didn't make it up, give you the reference. The differences start with the physical structure of the brain. Research now confirms that the brain of men and women are slightly different. Studies show that the male brain is 10% larger than the female brain. But certain areas of the female brain contain more nerve cells, giving us better communication and more done. Translation, men would say, their brains are bigger than women. Women would say, and so are your heads. Okay, so men, you have big brains. What are you doing with them? See how God made us different? Guys, you got a big old brain, that's great. Women, see what we have? We are to be in touch because we're nurturers. See how our brains work? It goes on in this study, I found it interesting. The difference also extended the operation of the brain. Studies show that men and women performed equally when tested to read a list of words to determine whether they rhyme. The results found that women use both the right and the left side of the brain, while men only use the left side of the brain. Results, when it came to the use of the brain, women use both sides, while men, keeping it simple, use only one. Translation, men would say, why waste valuable space in your head? Women would say, use every resource available. Right? We're just a little different. The list of ways that men and, dif and, men, and di men and women approach things differently. Number one, and this is all true and you can verify it in your homes, I'm sure. Men are more aggressive than women when they drive sports cars and light trucks. I don't know if with a light truck. Maybe their masculinity is being challenged or something. But anyway, they're, they're, they're in there. Women are more aggressive when they drive SUVs and luxury cars. Stay away from us on the road. Women are less likely to be caught and convicted of speeding than men. Men are willing to take a greater financial risk than women. Within relationships, women resolve the day-to-day -day issues while men settle the life-changing disputes better. Women, are ask, uh, women ask more questions in the conversation, but men interrupt three-fourths of the time more than women. And this was all taken from a book called Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti from Pam and Bill Farrell. To quote another great theologian, John Gray, in Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, men are like rubber bands and women are like waves. Men emotionally, and listen, this is, oh, it's like, hello, why didn't I read this sooner? Men emotionally bolt, they're a rubber band. Men emotionally bolt when they fear that their self-sufficiency is threatened. 
At those times, they become, become unapproachable and demand to be left alone and allowed to, be not, and to not express their feelings. But if they are given support in the form of space, they soon feel better and spring back into their original selves. It can be hard for women to handle the harshness with which men retreat and then spring back again. And I started that story this morning because I was out of line when I had a seed in my head of a thought and then it brewed and stirred and I ran downstairs and confronted my husband. Did you know this? And blah, vomited all over him and then had to repent, which I did quickly because I, I don't do well when I'm like not in a line with God. But he had to process it, long process. And he does that. He, like, he does. I mean, if we get in a fight, I like get over it. Like, let me make you pancakes and anything else you want. Just like, come on, can't we go back where we were 10 seconds ago before I blew up in your face? I really can go back that quick. I'm all good and I love you and shouldn't have said it. Love you, aren't we good? And he's like, no, we're not good. I got to process this. Doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean we're going to not be good, but I have to process this. I don't get that. I'm like, you're wasting time. Bring your blood pressure down. Let's go have some fun. Eat some pizza. He loves pizza. But he got a process. And when I did this message, it's like God made us that way. I gotta let him process. Which gives me more time for repentance, so it's not all so bad. In closing, I want to leave you with this verse. It's 1 Corinthians 11, 11. Just remember 1, 1, 1, 1, 1. Listen, nevertheless, in the Lord, women are not independent of man, nor man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, thank you for the rib, thank you for the rib, so man is born of woman. You're welcome for the pain. You gave us your rib? We went through a lot of pain. The Bible tells us in Corinthians 11, 11, he made us together. It says, but everything comes from God. Our story begins with two truths. He made us in his image, in his likeness. You are to be a creator, you are to be a mediator, and you are to be a comforter. And he gave us an assignment. How are you doing with your kingdom assignment? He didn't make two assignments the same. He's that creative. If somebody had your idea on Shark Tank, it was just a little different than you had. Come on, get it back out. They got it started for you, you finish it. Bring the bank in. There's so many ideas in this room. What are you doing with your kingdom assignment? I want us to stand. And what I really wanna do, um, again, Meredith, thank you. What a doll you are, and Matt, gosh. You took my girl away, but I love you. We miss our Kelly. All right, we're family here. But whether it's for you, whether it's for you and your marriage, I wanna ask you if you wanna recommit to your assignment, your kingdom assignment, not your job on earth. I'll tell you what, I have, two, I have the most creative children. They are cursed with creativity because they've got Phil and I as their parents. And they start businesses and companies, and you've heard Jen and you've heard Josh, they've both been in this platform. 
but their kingdom assignment is their kingdom assignment. They can touch all, come on, you know, they're all over the world, but are they doing it for the kingdom? What about you? Are you doing what you do for the kingdom? If you're not, would you recommit to your kingdom assignment? Is anybody but you right now? Because God's like, come on, I'm giving you an invitation to do something with what I've deposited in you. Hello. If you would recommit your kingdom assignment as we sing, you can stay where you are, but I just think there's something about being a soul to take a step forward. It might be my four. Hey, God, that invention, I'm stepping out on it. By faith right now, I'm coming forward, and it is my declaration of my invention in my creation for you. Let's sing. If you want to come forward, you come forward, and then we're going to pray over you in just a minute. keep singing but you know the man of the house told me that I just talk like a woman and that's long so um, we're gonna roll into our next service and Holy Spirit's just like hey don't interrupt me just because you messed up on the time so I want um, service is officially over but I if, if, can we just maybe sing another minute as people are coming in and going out and because like I want to get my money out of you you are good God has deposited so much in you Meredith thank you so um, you are welcome to leave, but if you just need to minister to somebody, minister to somebody. You need to love on somebody, love on somebody. You need prayer, you raise your hand, we are there. You can stay and sing for another minute, and we'll transition to second service here in a few moments. Thank you, guys.